This is the Windmill Dynasty Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Austin. Let's get started. Welcome into the fifth episode of the Windmill Dynasty Hockey Podcast. My dog, Muffler, right now is going absolutely bananas here with my co-host, Stuart Miller-Davis. Oh, there he is knocking the mic. All right, now he's licking the mic. Okay, this is going to be a absolutely wonderful podcast today. All righty. We are doing a two-round NHL mock draft. Uh, a little bit of a combination of who would you pick versus who do you think is going to go in the actual selection we're making. So... Welcome, Stuart. Uh, it was your birthday on Monday, so happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, Thank it's, uh, you. it's great to have you here live in the, uh, in the studio, which is, you know, my kitchen. But it's great to have you, honestly. It's been, uh, it's been too long. So, uh, we did rock, paper, scissors to decide who would be getting the first selection in the draft. I won with, uh, with, with paper. So, I will make the first selection for the Chicago Blackhawks, and we will be taking my favorite player from this year's class... Connor Bedard. Real shocker. I was I was really debating when I said my favorite player in this year's draft. I was about to say Easton Cowan. Um, he is my favorite player in this year's class, but I, I wouldn't take him at one overall. So, yeah, no, uh, Bedard's going number one. He's going to be great in Chicago for, you know, 10, 15 years. I, I you know, nothing nothing really to say about Bedard. He's, everyone knows how good he is. So, let's move along. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that he'll be a star immediately i could see him having a bit of a sort of jack hughes like adjustment period to the nhl but the minute he arrives he will be consistently scoring 85 plus points (laughs) yeah if you're in a fantasy league and you're in a long rebuild and you have you know if if you have some money you want to take on like seth jones might not be a bad guy to to look at just because he's gonna have a bit of a bump getting connor bedard I'd also be willing to trade a lot to get Lucas Reichel right now. Yeah. There's a good chance Lucas Reichel is playing with Bedard. So that would be kind of fun. Uh, so you get second overall. So who are you taking at second overall? Uh, second overall for the Anaheim no longer mighty Ducks. Because uh, Brian Burke decided they weren't mighty anymore. Um, we're not. I'm not going to overthink this. It's going to be Adam Fantilli. Yeah, that's... Um... I think there is potential for there to be a surprise at number two, but I still don't think there will be. I would be shocked if you see anyone but Fantilli go at two. Yeah, I think. Well, I think the big the big center thing that they don't really have, like they have Trevor Zegras, who's good, but is he really a center at the NHL level long yeah, term? I don't think. <clears throat> I don't think McTavish is a first line center either. Yeah, I think he's a first line winger, but I don't think he's a first line center. No, uh, I think that taking Fantilli establishes your top two centers for probably the foreseeable future. Yeah, and that's and that's what you know Anaheim desperately needs. They've they've got defensemen for days. They can they can move you know one of their five excellent prospects. Actually, Anaheim had the WHL defenseman of the year in Olin Zellweger. They had the OHL defenseman of the year in uh, Mitchell. Who? Pavel Mitchkov. Mitchkov, no. yeah, Pavel Mitchkov. That's right. And then they had the QMJHL Defenseman of the Year in Tristan Luneau. So that's a that's a pretty good clean sweep right there. I would argue there might have been there are better defensive prospects in each league. Maybe not the WHL, but I would argue there are better at least in the the QMJHL. I would argue there there are better defensive prospects. But um, Luneau had a really good year, so it's 
Anaheim's looking up, especially getting Fantilli. Moving on to Columbus at three. Ah, Leo Carlson. This is the first pick where I have no... I'm not going to say I have no clue, but I'm, I'm not as sure if they're taking Leo Carlson or if they're going to take a Will Smith or... They could even surprise and go mad by Michikov. I don't think they do, but... No, my my feeling is that it'll be one of the one of the centers, Smith or Carlson. Yeah. Um, who Carlson's interesting because he played wing as a as a pro in in Sweden, um, and then at international tournaments has been a center, uh, including his impressive World Championships. He seems to be getting a lot of uh, comparisons to like Anze Kopitar. And uh, I, who else did I see a comparison to? Um, it was another really good center. I can't think of him now. But uh, the point is, I think people are projecting Leo Carlson to be a center moving forward. If he is a top-line center, well worth a third, third overall pick. Heck, if, if he'd been in last year's draft, he's a no-doubt number one. Yeah. No doubt about it, number one overall pick. So, I mean, if you're getting that a third overall for Columbus, that's, that's an awesome piece to move forward with. Our first... I think this is the first really, really, really tough pick of the draft. Well, I yeah, three like three, four is where you start to wonder is Matt Mishkov going, um, and in this case, at number four to the San Jose Sharks, he is, uh, and I I just think that this it makes a lot of sense because um, uh, Greer has said he's happy to be patient, do this the right way, and if you've got a potential superstar to slot in in three years, you've got two more years to sort of buy yourself some time, at, uh, build up the, the rest of the pool, maybe make some, some moves to get Eric Carlson out, maybe get Couture out. Um, and even even then, like those will be those will be closer to expiring in two three years. So. And I, th- I think the Timo Meyer trade was a pretty good um, it was a pretty good indicator of where San Jose thinks they are uh, with their roster. Like if if they, if had they traded, thought they were yeah if, if they if they thought they were closer, they wouldn't have traded him. <laughs> they wouldn't have traded him, but they wouldn't have traded him for a bunch of yeah like kind of B level assets. Like they didn't really get any high level assets. They just got a bunch of really kind of good assets and it's like yeah it's n- none of them might end up being elite players but you might have got two or three really good players which you know that's that's solid value yeah. especially for an expiring contract like Timo Meyer. but he Matt Vameshkov is probably the most polarizing prospect in this whole draft just because of his contract you know in in the KHL and I, I disagree and the only reason I disagree is that Look at every other player going in the first round, at least, um, just first-round players. How many of these guys that are going after do you expect to be playing in the NHL within two years? Maybe, like, five or six after pick five or after pick four. Yeah, like, like, Reinbacker, I could see in the NHL one or two years. Yeah, Um, Ryan Leonard, I could see in a year. Nate Danielson... Uh, Colby Barlow will be in the NHL sooner than later. Dvorsky, if he does end up going to this team that we have him going to in a few picks, oh, um, they they would they they could... <laughs> might they might rush him because they don't have much in centers. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they would they would have to rush him. Um, like they've yeah. got Connor McMichael, who I like, but I think he's kind of 
at most a third line center. Stu going ahead and spoiling our uh, one of our picks ahead of here. Let's, uh, let's well, go. you have to know who Connor McMichael plays for. Exactly. Which, which most most listeners who uh, who are this deep into drafts and into dynasty probably know who Connor McMichael plays for. But uh, so let's go back here. Montreal at fifth overall. They're clearly not taking Dalibor Dvorsky. Um, who are they taking? Spoiler alert. Yeah. So uh, this is a player that you know. I think so many Habs fans are angry when he gets mocked here. Because they think of him as a like as a safe defensive prospect, and the second I say def- safe defensive prospect, you know I'm either talking David Reinbacher or Dmitry Simashev. Obviously Reinbacher. No one's taken a Russian who has you know limited offensive upside in you know fifth overall, especially in this draft class. You're not taking Simashev fifth overall. Um, Reinbacher is worth fifth overall though. I coming around so quickly on David Reinbacker. All it took was me looking at his stats versus Roman Yosi's stats in their draft year and their, uh, their the year before their draft year. They're basically, like, they're mirror images. And he's so good defensively, he will play 24 to 26 minutes a game very soon in his career. There's no reason to expect that if he gets drafted by a team like Montreal, he won't improve his offense. Him and, da- like, him and, him and Caden Gooley would be a disgustingly good defensive pairing for 10 years. So, yeah, David Reinbacher, fifth overall, Montreal Canadiens. Well, that kind of screws what I was going to do <laughs> with the Arizona Coyotes, who have built up a heck of a forward prospect pool, but uh, definitely need defense. But I do not think that it makes sense to take the next best defenseman in this class at number six. <laughs> So I'll just go with the best player off the board and take Will Smith. <laughs> and I, I love that pick for Arizona. It's just another good player. You know, they need good players there. And it's... Uh, yeah, and that, that was kind of the thinking was if you're not going to get the best defenseman in the class, just get the next best player. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what Arizona just... They, they desperately need good players. Get as many as you can. Eventually, if you, you know, if they make it and they, they become good players for you, that's great. Or you can just trade them and, you know, get actually good usable NHL assets now, but Arizona's got to find good players. So Will Smith, great pick for them. The next up, Philadelphia Flyers. This pick is such a Philadelphia pick. Uh, We're going Ryan Leonard. He feels like um, every single team in the NHL wants their own Kachuk. And as Elite Prospects has tabbed Ryan Leonard as the third Kachuk brother, that is so accurate. It's hilarious. I love it. He's got NHL bloodlines. He's just he's just the kind of player where you're like, he's going to have three or four Stanley Cups by the time he retires. He might not be the best player, the second best player, even the third best player on any of those teams. But I think you'll look back and you'll say, I don't think they win the cup if he's not on the team. Mm. He's just, he contributes to winning. And it's not just because he's, you know, he plays hard or he's physical or he's, he's good defensively. Like he's just... He's he's above average to good to great at everything. And he also plays with his hair on fire. Like, he's fantastic. Oh, my goodness. His U18 tournament, I I would actually take him before Will Smith personally. But, you know, I won't argue anyone who takes Will Smith before Ryan Leonard. Center, centers tend to have a bit more value. So, all right. Moving yep. on to uh, a player that we kind of already know is going here. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who is Washington taking? Steve? The Washington Capitals select Dalibor Dvorsky, uh, and I I just think this makes a ton of sense because they're going to need a high end center very soon. 
Nicholas Backstrom came off of what I would call a career-ending injury and managed to play fairly well, actually. Um, yeah. But he will not be around forever, and they desperately need an, a, a center like Dvorsky in their prospect pool. This feels like the kind of pick you make realizing that you've got you know three players that are all somewhat you know generational um, on your roster right now like backstrom ovechkin carlson you want to try to maximize the rest of their career dalibor divorce probably the best player left on the board to help do that at this point i actually prefer the player that i took at 10 going to detroit actually no is that 10 or is that nine that's nine overall nine yeah, so nine overall to Detroit. I took Oliver Moore. I think Oliver Moore has a way higher ceiling than Dalibor Dvorsky. And I frankly think his floor is pretty similar. So I would actually be way happier. If, if, if as the, you know, I own Washington in a fantasy league, I would be much happier getting Oliver Moore than Dalibor Dvorsky. That being said, in the real NHL, it's, it's a completely different story. So I would be happy getting either player. But yeah, I think, I think Oliver Moore... You watch him and you're like, he's so, so well suited for today's game. Some people will say, well, he could be Kasperi Kapanen. He will not be Kasperi Kapanen. Not just and because... Depending on how you use Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, in Toronto, he was a 20-goal scorer. In Pittsburgh, he was nothing. In St. Louis, they gave him a, a better role again. And he's probably closer to the player in Toronto. <gasps> yeah, I think for me, it was, it was just that... Um, Kasperi Kapanen doesn't have the puck skills that Oliver Moore has, and he doesn't have the shot. Oliver Moore is just a... He's a speedster who who also can do other things. I think Kasperi Kapanen is more or less just a speedster. Yeah. Um, All right, moving on to 11th overall. This this is a pick that I love. Yeah, so this was the St. Louis Blues taking Zachary Benson. Um, And I think that that... Yeah, it just makes a ton of sense. <laughs> he would be he would be a dynamo with Pavel Buchnevich. That would be so much fun to watch. Uh, that that would be an incredible line. Just so much fun. Zach Benson, he probably is the best defensive forward in the draft. I'm you know, I'm hesitant to say it because he's kind of small, and usually you would think of like maybe a two way center, especially not a two way winger, but Man, I love Zach Benson's defensive game. Like he is just a hound on the puck. He's relentless. I I don't know. Like the only player I've seen t- like, with more neutral zone takeaways or more defensive zone takeaways would probably be Samuel Honzek. Hmm. And like Samuel Honzek does it more with his reach as opposed to just relentless hustle. Benson's a different type of player, but they're just so good. Um, I I love Benson for St. Louis. That's a great pick. Um, yeah, so now that I'm back up on the board with Vancouver, I was kind of thinking, what position does Vancouver pay a lot? And are they paying good players? They're paying <laughs> maybe one good player. Yeah, no, they're paying one good player on their defense core right now. The rest of them are all wildly overpaid. Um, it's it's pretty gross right now in Vancouver. They're, and if they if they, for some reason, lose Quinn Hughes... It's just not looking good on their on their back end for a long, long, long time. So uh, with that in mind, we're going to take Axel Sand and Pelica because I think the value here is pretty good. 
Next best defenseman off the board. <laughs> and he's the next best defenseman off the board. And I also kind of looked at it. I'm like, you know, I th- I'm pretty sure Arizona would love a defenseman. And uh, they're up next. So <laughs> let's just make sure we go and get the next best one. So again, I was up on the clock with the Arizona Coyotes thinking, oh, I'd love to get a defenseman. And then Vancouver takes Axel Sandin to look at. And I'm like, Darn! That's who I wanted. Um, but I decided to stick with defense for the Coyotes anyway. Um, going with Dmitry uh, Shimashev, who it's a bit it's a bit rough because he is Russian and he doesn't necessarily have a ton of offensive upside. But he, from from all accounts, all scouting reports I've read, he knows exactly what he's doing defensively so yeah he's he's great defensively he's six foot four and he's just a hammer um so i mean and and the coyotes can afford to sort of take some guys that maybe take a year or two or three because they aren't getting logan cooley next year so no and they, <laughs> it'll just be another another and they're year not getting will smith next year and they're not getting they're not getting any of their draft picks this year yeah so it's, they're still in sort of the not necessarily like I don't. It's still a rebuild. I was I was gonna say it's more re-jigging. I don't know, but it it's a rebuild. If Arizona <laughs> could manage to leave with Reinbacher and Pelica, or you know one of those two, I think they would be extremely happy if they could put themselves in position for a Celebrini or an Iserman next year. Anyone would be happy to put themselves in position for those two. Actually, next year's class, there's a. There's a Finnish defenseman uh, who's going to be in the top five. Aaron Kibbe, how are you? Yeah, and there's also the American brother of Lane Hudson, Cole Hudson. Yeah, he's going to be going high. Who looks better than Lane? <laughs> he's just yeah. It's it's uh, it's going to be a good draft next year, folks. So uh, if you've got first round picks, you know this year, and someone offers you, you know, maybe a chance to move back twenty spots and a first round next year, I I would think about it, especially because this year's class is deep, like from twenty to fifty. It's kind of like eh, a lot of these players feel like they have similar projections, whereas, you know, one to 20 has a bit more upside. And uh, with that in mind, we're going to go to the Buffalo Sabres and we're going to take a player that has, um, I think he can score a lot of points. I'm not sure how good of an NHL player he's going to be. But his, his production for the U.S. National Junior Development Team was incredible. And he looked so good at the U18s. Like, he might have been the best player on the ice at the U18. And this was Gabe Perot. A little bit higher than some people have him. Uh, I know a few people that have him top 10. I know some people have him outside the top 32. I, I think he's going to be a damn good NHL player. So, I'm not sure quite how good he's going to be. But his, his hockey sense, his passing... It's all so, so high level already that if his skating is merely average, he's fine. I don't think it'll matter. So Well, and it's just, uh, I used to be very much so of the, if, if, they've, if they've got like average skating, but they're really smart, you could teach them the skating. Um, and that's not always true, um, but... I think if you've you've got the you've got the right co- the right skating coach the right people to teach and the right player with um, the right attitude, 
then you're in a real good position. Look at Braden Point, for example. Yeah, I mean, Braden Point was similar to Gabe Perot, like had an elite offensive profile. He just wasn't, he wasn't a good enough skater to be a first round pick. And then, I, and I then, think, uh, yeah, what's his, what's Barb Underhill taught him how to skate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like saying teaching them how to skate is a bit of a misleading way to say it just because like, yeah, all of these guys can skate circles around us. Like I, I'm pretty sure I made fun of Ethan Needma's skating earlier in the, in the year. And I'm, I look back and I'm like, he's so much better than I could ever be at skating. It's just, it's hilarious. Like he would skate circles around me. And yet you compare him to just about anyone in this year's draft class. And he looks like he's stuck in mud. (laughs) And that just shows to show how good these hockey players truly are. Like we're talking about 17 year old kids and they are some of the world's best athletes. It's, it is mind blowing how skilled they are. It's just when you're talking about how, like comparing them, you know, comparing a hundred players to each other, it's really hard to do. My, my laptop here just uh, just turned off. I hope we're still recording. Oh, we're recording. Yes, we are. All good. I, I don't know much about all this, so the laptop turns off, and I worry. I, I fear for the worst. So, All right, moving on to the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is my favorite pick of the first round. Holy crap, I love this pick. With the whatever selection we're at, because I can't count and I don't do math. Um. It's, it's <laughs> Pittsburgh, and uh, we've got to be around like 13 or 14 here. 14, I think. Yeah, I think it's maybe it's fourteen. No, did the Islanders make the playoffs? Pick fourteen. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going with Nate Danielson, uh, and I think that this pick just makes too much sense for them at this spot because he's probably in the NHL within two years and can start helping them. Whereas a lot of the a lot of the rest of the guys left like have good upside um or some have fantastic upside but you're not necessarily sure a if they can hit it b when they'll hit it danielson he's just so good at so many things that he projects to be like a useful like bottom six player if you need if you need him to be and then someday maybe he's a useful middle six top six like i will um in terms of Nate Danielson, I've I've gone all over the place on him this year. Like I've had him ranked above Benson, and now I've got him probably around ten or eleven in this year's class. But in the words of the wise Rubius Hagrid, I will eat my kettle if Nate Danielson is not a third line center in the NHL. I don't think he was referring to the kettle in that context, but um, Nate Danielson is going to be at worst a really, really, really good third line center. Like, and- and Pittsburgh needs people who can help them sooner rather than later. Yeah, like I wouldn't fault Pittsburgh for going out and getting a player like Colby Barlow just to say, hey, we need a winger for Sidney Crosby or for Evgeny Malkin. Like I would get it because you bring in a guy like Barlow and he can, I, I actually genuinely think Barlow can be in the NHL next year. But I think Nate Danielson is A, a better player. He can play center and he can play center at a really high level really soon. And for Pittsburgh... I think Kyle Dubas is obviously going to try to get this team to win. He's not there to rebuild, at least not until Sidney Crosby gets another concussion and his career is over. Yeah. And he's gone now, like, what, 10 years since his last concussion injury? So um, there's no reason to expect Crosby and Malkin can't be around for, you know, three to four more years of high-level play. 
And I, I would say, you know, you probably get two years of Nate Danielson. So if you can get two years of Nate Danielson with Crosby and, and Malkin, that's a really that's a really good pick. I thought so. That's why I made it. Yeah, I thought for a second I thought I made that pick because I liked it so much. <laughs> no, um, I actually really like the pick I made next year with Nashville. Nashville, I said, I just I just want a high end player. Um, Nashville never really seems to have high end offensive talents. Philip Forsberg's the closest thing they've had. Joachim uh, Kamel in the system. Yeah, like I like Tomasino, but I think Tomasino's a bit more of a second or third liner. Yeah, this player. There's potential he doesn't even make NHL impact. I think that's a bit maybe of a a bit of a reach, but I, I he has the potential to be to make so much NHL impact, but he also has the potential to make very little. And that's Andrew Kristall of uh, of Kelowna. I don't really know how to rank him. He's just a very divisive player for so many people, but the skill is there. Yeah, well, I remember. Early, early on in this, like I don't know, maybe two, two, even like two years ago, when I was looking at mock drafts or predictions for this year's draft, you saw Cristal consistently in the top five, and from a talent perspective, I could totally understand why. Uh, obviously, they're. There are drawbacks, which is why he's not a top 10 talent anymore. But it's still, he's still real impressive when he is on. Like, I would say if you gave Chris Stahl, if you gave him like Zach Benson's skating ability, he's probably going in the top six or seven. And uh, so, I mean, that's that's something to consider. And I don't think he's that much worse of a skater than a player like Zach Benson. I just think Zach Benson has a bit more pace to his game. I think his acceleration is so much better. Um, Benson's also just a... He's so crafty with the puck. Like, taking the puck away from Zach Benson is surprisingly hard. For a guy who's, what? 5'9". Five, 5'9", nine. Five, nine. Yeah. yeah. Like, 155 pounds. Like, he's, he's kind of small. Kind of small is a bit of an understatement. But... He's just impossible to take off the puck. Whereas I do not have the same opinion of Andrew Kristol. There's a, there's not the same level of puck protection. There's not the same level of playmaking. The shot is much better, but um, I I don't know. It's well, you could almost say like Zach Benson plays bigger than he is, and Kristol doesn't. Yeah, and that that would be a really good way to put it. So I mean, if you're Nashville, um, following the comments that was that were made by. Is that Barry Trotz? Yep. Yeah, it was Barry Trotz who made the comment. I, I keep forgetting he's back in Nashville. Wow. Uh, New general manager. Yeah, full circle there. Um, yeah, so he said, you know, I can I can find third and fourth liners. Go and find me superstars. And, you know, of all the players left on the board... Chris Stahl's probably got the most superstar potential. potential. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that to me feels like a good pick for Nashville. Um, next up... Uh, we have the Calgary Flames making the most Calgary Flames pick they can make. <laughs> From the Oshawa Generals, Callum Ritchie. Yeah, this is the uh, Elias Lindholm... Replacement. Clone. Maybe. Yeah. Um, when really... they decide to... And they figure out that they're no good and they trade Elias Lindholm at the deadline. Yeah. Uh, because I... they still can't get Jonathan Huberto to work. You know, Callum Ritchie is going to be one of those players that, you know, uh, fantasy managers will select in the first round. 
they'll trade him within three years because they're either pissed off with his OHL production or they're pissed off with his AHL production. He'll just, you know, three to four years later, he'll make it to the NHL. He might take a few years in the NHL to really start producing. And then he'll turn 25, 26, and he'll be a 60, 70 point scorer. And you'll be like, where did this come from? And you'll just say, oh, you know, his skating finally caught up with the rest of his game. And he's not really, he's just an average skater at this point, but the rest of his game is all above average. And that's why you just say, yeah, that's it's pretty much Elias Lindholm. So it's a safe pick. It's a pick that, um, uh, he looked really, really, really good for Oshawa. Frankly, Oshawa had no business even being competitive with Ottawa in the playoffs. And they made a few of those games look really, really competitive. And I, I would attribute a lot of that to Callum Ritchie. So yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a good pick for the, the for the Flames. Detroit. Oh, they have already made one pick I love in Oliver Moore. We're going to go for another high upside pick and we're going to get a bit more size and we're going to add Quentin Musty. He's another guy who early, early on in this, in the, the process of ranking this draft was often mocked in the top 10. Um, I, I, I know that some people aren't super high on him. I've, I've liked his game watching him, but... Um, you never know. <laughs> it, to me, with, with Musty, it really depends on... It just depends on if there's some trades in the first round. He could go a little bit higher than we have him going here. There's not a lot of players with his size, with his skating, with his shot. He's not a defensively uh, valuable player. I think it limits his high-end upside like he's not going to kill penalties I don't think he's good enough to be on the first line even offensively but I think he has I think he has skills that translate well to a second line which is which is about what you would hope to get in the the teens to the you know early 20s all right moving on to the Winnipeg Jets this is the first pick of the draft that I'm not going to lie to you I don't know a lot about him I know some scouts love him I know other scouts don't Stewart. The Winnipeg Jets select Daniel Boot. Um, and I, I just sort of I looked at the his profile, um, and said the Winnipeg Jets need or are going to need a Blake Wheeler replacement in the near term. They're losing a lot of size and grit. Here it is! Like, the Jets have a lot of really, really, really good prospects coming in. Like, Brad Lambert. I love Brad Lambert. I love... uh, Who's the other one they have in the the system? Chaz Lucius. I'm a big fan of Cole Perfetti. Oh, yeah. Like, they have some really high-end high-end offensive prospects coming in in the next few years. They're all like 5'9". Yeah, but they're all a little (laughs) bit smaller. So, let's go and find a guy that can you know, bring a bit of sandpaper, can still shoot the puck. And I, I like this pick. That's... I've seen him ranked in the top 10. That's that's a little bit rich for my blood, but um, yeah, he's he's a good player. I'm not sure I'm not sure I would take him before the player that I'm taking here for Chicago. But I can understand it from Winnipeg's point of view. Now, here's the player I'm taking for Chicago. This is this is probably my second favorite pick of the first round. Um, not only because Chicago is taking Connor Bedard and this player has the same initials, but because this player if if you want to a, if you want to turn around the culture in Chicago, if you want a uh, like a, a quick impact player, and you want someone that can play with Connor Bedard, Colby Barlow would be so good with Connor Bedard, because Bedard draws so much attention, 
and Barlow has such a good release. Not to mention, Barlow is so, so, so responsible defensively. He plays with so much effort. I think it would allow Bedard to play a bit more of his um, loose cannon type of offensive game where he tries to make too much happen. And as much as, you know, you don't necessarily love to see Bedard be a one-man show, he does a really good job of it. And I don't, you don't want to make a guy do something that he's, you know, not or be something that he isn't. So... I think Barlow would allow Bedard to play his game a bit more the way he wants to play it. And I think for Chicago, that would be very valuable. As much as you could bring in like a Matthew Wood or you could bring in a Gavin Brindley, Barlow gets you some size. He gets you some leadership. He's a player that, you know, Bedard can lean on. I would, I think Chicago fans would be ecstatic if they could get Barlow with their second first round pick. And with the the next pick for the Seattle Kraken, uh, I'm going to land a player you mentioned in the list of players there. Um, and that's Matthew Wood, who by number of counts is probably the best player left on the board. He is the best um, player left on the board, yeah, no doubt. And it just made a ton of sense for the Kraken coming off of a playoff, coming off their first playoff appearance to add a very talented player in Matthew Wood to their ta- their talent pool. And Matthew Wood, like, he's got a really nice floor. And then you look at what he did at Connecticut. And Connecticut doesn't score a lot in the NCAA. They are not a high-scoring team. One of my favorite prospects for the Leafs right now, Ryan Tverberg. He's played there for the last few seasons. Ryan Tverberg was a seventh-round pick who has greatly outperformed his draft slot. And he has struggled to get up to a point per game in Connecticut. That's, a, that's mostly because of the style they play there. I would, you know, seeing Matthew Wood put up a point per game in his first year as a freshman, as a 17-year-old freshman, like, holy crap, that's impressive. It's, it's beyond impressive. The skating is not great. He has some issues there. But everything else, everything else about his game, he's got size, he's got playmaking, his shot is already very high level. He can he can re- like he can whip it from a multitude of platforms that make you say like this guy can score thirty goals pretty quickly if he can just be an average skater just has to be league average he can be a little bit below but the rest of his game is right there and Seattle doesn't really have many wingers like Matthew Wood in their system so that's a pretty good pick Minnesota. Uh, this was a player, I'm not going to lie to you, I had, I had no clue to take from Minnesota. They're aging on defense, but I didn't really like any of the defense that were here on the board. Tom Willander uh, feels like a bit of a reach there. Nobody else that I really wanted at that point. So I just said, who looks really good when he plays with elite talent? And that was Gavin Brindley. Looked fantastic with Adam Fantilli at Michigan. Just a spark plug all around. He's not a big kid. Might not ever score 30 goals, but I think he can score 20, 25 goals while chipping in 30, 40 assists. And he's really good defensively. Um, At worst, he's a third-line winger. At best, he's a second-line. So, pretty solid player. Uh, And then with the the next pick uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers via the LA Kings, uh, the the, the Philadelphia Flyers need in my opinion, size. And they've always liked players with good size. And probably the best player with good size left 
is Samuel Hanzek. Um, he's six foot four, hundred and eighty six pounds. Um, skates pretty well for his size, um, and I I just think that he makes a lot of sense for Philadelphia as they're trying to add to their talent pool in the rebuild. Yeah, I love this pick. Um, I've I've slowly come around on Samuel Hanzek. Um, he's got a great shot. He's not necessarily the kind of player that will score in transition. He's not going to be Braden Yeager who can wire it, you know, on, in transition. That's not really his game. He's a bit more of a static offensive threat at the moment. But he's really, really, really good in the neutral zone defensively. His stick is inc- like it's so active in the neutral zone. He's going to be one of those players that probably will be on the third and fourth line for the first three to four years of his NHL career. Uh, it's going to take some time for him, I think, just to to develop his game in transition to the point where he can be a top six forward. But he's going to be a damn good third or fourth line forward for for a few years at least until he gets there. But I think he's got potential to be... He could be a top 10 player in this class. I say that about a lot of players. It's tough because there's so many players in this class that have high-end traits, but they lack other things so that, you know... You can see the you can see the the path to them being a top ten player. It's just not as clear for a player like Samuel Hanzek as it would be for a player like you know Nate Danielson or um, Ryan Leonard. You know, two very different players than Samuel Hanzek, but they have a bit more to their game to to project them to be a top ten player from the class. Ooh. After this pick for the Rangers, I took so long to make this pick. Um, I don't want to talk about him too much because this is, I, I don't really like this pick personally. I, I don't know why I did it, but uh, <laughs> Grayson Souchin from the Seattle Thunderbirds. I just, uh, I have no idea where the Rangers are going to go. They don't really need anything, but they're not necessarily that close to being a Stanley Cup team either. Like, I feel like, like they're pa- still a, they're still a playoff team, but I just don't know how much of a Stanley Cup contender they are. Like I don't know how much Tarasenko and Patrick Kane truly move the needle right now. Lafreniere not turning into a real first overall pick has kind of been a you know it's really hindered their team's overall projection. Grayson Souchin, the reason I like him, uh, he put up significant points with limited playing time. He looked very, very good on a very, very good team. You know, there's not much else you can ask for. I'm not sure how much upside there is to him, but I think he makes a good second or third line winger at some point in his NHL career. All right, well, uh, we'll move on to here to Nashville's second first round pick. With their second first round pick, uh, the Nashville Predators um, are looking to replace... The well, maybe not exactly, but they're looking to replace uh, Matthias Ekholm, who netted them this pick, uh, and they go for Tom Willander. Yeah, I uh, I don't love Willander. I am definitely lower on him than I am on other defensemen who I'm going to be taking with the next pick. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he's I think he's really solid. I don't think there's anything he does great, but I don't think there's anything he's he's bad at either. I think he's just your your typical mid to late first round defenseman yeah i think he'll be he'll be solid and like and if you i think he makes that's why he makes sense for nashville they've 
got a good reputation for sort of taking solid defensemen and getting decent. I uh, I like that you compared him. Them. I love I love that you compared him to Matthias Ekholm. Just because when I say steady, if you look at Matthias Ekholm, here are his fantasy uh, fantasy finishes for for the last like eight years. Uh, 53, 80, 44, 32, 36, 57, 59, 53. So that gets you an average of 51, basically 52. That's, that's wild. Like he's, he's so consistently in that 60 to 35 range in the last 10 years. And the reason for that is he doesn't put up a lot of points, but he blocks a lot of shots. He's physical. He shoots the puck a fair amount. That will get you... That's a pretty easy way to get into the top 60 as a defenseman. Especially if you play big minutes. Playing big minutes is realistically the best way as a defenseman to project fantasy points. If you can play big minutes, you'll generally get into the top 60. After that, it's just how much can you score. So, with Tom Wheelander, I don't expect a lot of points, but he's a solid player. Uh, The player I'm taking afterwards... Similar, I think he's a bit better defensively with not quite as much puck moving yet. But once he gets rid of the best defensive prospect currently outside of the NHL, well, that might be a bit of a stretch. Once he gets rid of Brant Clark, I think he has a potential to be a lot better. And that would be Bo Aki of the Barry Colts. Uh, I watched him a few times in Kingston this year, and I was never like, I was never amazed by his game. But then I rewatched the game that they shut out the Frontenacs, and I remembered the Frontenacs almost never got the puck into Barry's zone, and they almost never got even a decent scoring chance. And it wasn't because of Brant Clark. So, <laughs> I mean, Brant Clark, I was marveling at his passing. Brant Clark is an incredible passer. He is going to be a good NHL player. He's going to be, in my opinion, he's kind of Eric Carlson-like in that he can do all sorts of things that impress you skate. Well, not skating. Um, <laughs> was, the look I was giving you when you said like yeah, Eric Carlson. Wait a minute. Like, Eric Carlson? Like, Eric Carlson in that he's he's offense and it's gonna he's gonna be I like I think he could be he could produce offensively and you just kind of go yeah that makes up for what he does in his own end. I would <laughs> all I would say with Brandon Clark is like how would you feel if. Brant Clark was in the offensive zone at the blue line. Connor McDavid was skating towards him with the puck. And you said, do you think Brant Clark has any chance to cut off or even contain Connor McDavid? <laughs> no, None. is the short answer. There is None. not a chance it's going to happen. <laughs> He's going to get blown out of the water. This is where Bo Akey does not have the same issue. He's he's kind of got a Caden Gooley to his style to his game where he's really, really, really good at closing on forwards. He is he's just so, so steady in his defensive end. He never makes bad decisions. Um, if it weren't for Barry just having the most average roster in the entire OHL, um, you would have seen Brant Clark and Bowie Key carry that Barry team potentially to an Eastern Conference final. They would have been destroyed by, you know, Peterborough, but it's okay. They, they did really well against North Bay either way. They almost won. I love Bowie Key at the end of the first round. If you're in fantasy leagues... And you're a decent defenseman away from having a good team. He's not going to come in right away, obviously. Like, it's going to take a few years. But, yeah, if you've got a hole coming up in the future and you just want someone that you know can fill it, 
this is the guy late in the first. All right, I on to the San Jose Sharks. With the next pick, uh, I, I sort of said San Jose is in a in a rebuild that they're not afraid how long it's going to take, and the player I selected here is very interesting because um, he's got he's shown some pretty high end skill high um, end in... Craig Button would disagree <laughs> he would say elite like he would say generational based off of this draft well he's a, he, he's by by production he's a generational Czech player true um, yeah that's true because he had 99 points in 44 games in Czech's top league um which is better than Jakub Voracek and Thomas Hurdle at the same age, um, but he's he's got that he's got questions about his compete level um, and sort of the how much dog how much f- fight in the dog he's got, um, and I think that like if if San Jose holds on to to Quinn, I think that was something that I liked watching out of Quinn from Quinn this year was even though the team was like kind of got awful talent wise um they played hard they played hard yeah. and if if he can if Quinn can get sale to buy into that when he comes to the team in two or three years um and and Quinn is still around and hasn't been fired which is, is tough to know in a, a rebuild situation yeah uh I think that they take the they take the swing on the upside and grab another check forward. <laughs> yeah, no, I I really like his game. Like the speed is is obvious. Like it's the first thing you see really, but I I think Craig Button is going to get, you know, he's going to get his fair share of abuse for having him ranked as high as he did early in the year. That was a little bit that was definitely crazy, but you can kind of understand why the production's there. He's got one really high end trait. The rest of his game is going to need some work, but yeah, he'll have time. There's going to be, there's no rush for San Jose. So that's a good pick. Colorado. I enjoyed making this pick. I really did. Um, I just looked at Colorado's team and I said, you know, there could be a Valeri Nachushkin problem there in the near future, which could open up, you know, a roster spot. It's, it's not going to be filled by this player, but Who's a player that uh, could fit in their top six? And I said Jaden Perron. Uh, he's he's a bit divisive in this year's draft. He's one of those prospects that I've seen anywhere from in the top 10 to like 60 or 70. I think anyone who has him below 30 is honestly just wrong. He is way too good. Uh, his, his skating is not... It's not elite, but it's really good. His passing... Uh, the shot is really... I, I don't understand people who say he doesn't have a good shot. That's that's baffling to me. There's there's so much to like about Jaden Perron's game. And all you have to do is just watch him play with a player like Macklin Celebrini. And yeah, like if you think Celebrini is good... Which well you then, should. Which you should. Because he's, <laughs> if he's not first overall next year and he's not second overall, then he's third overall. And he's not going third overall because I would not take him a hard... Kibaharju? Kibaharju? Yeah, I wouldn't take him before Celebrini. I would consider Iserman. Depends on if like if you want goal scoring, definitely consider Iserman. But 
uh, yeah, no, Jaden Perron fits so well with what Colorado does. It would be a it would be a fun pairing. And with the next pick, the Toronto Maple Leafs via the Washington Capitals via the Boston Bruins, uh, there this this just seemed when I when I looked at who is left on the board and saw his name, I was like. Ah, uh, this seems like a, a Leafs pick already. Um, and that would be uh, Braden Yeager, uh, who's small and a winger uh, with small. skill. He's not small. Well, he's 5'11". Just, Have you seen guess, this year's class? Yeah, I guess that's... How many players, how many players <laughs> above him are, are, are smaller? Jaden Perron, Grasson Sauchin, Gavin Zach Brindley, Benson. Zach Benson, Andrew Cristal. Andrew Cristal. He's Perot. Uh, Perot's close. Um, Oliver Moore, Ryan Leonard, or they're about the same size. Either way, the, I'm, I'm Mitch talking, Kov is definitely smaller, but Art yeah, is smaller. Yeah. No, like, I'm, ta- I'm talking. I'm half. talking NHL small, not this draft class small. Well, that's 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 <laughs> another point to make though, is that this draft class could change the outlook of the NHL with how many good small players there are. Yep. It'll force teams to reevaluate. Like, do we really want size? I think you want size on the back end, but do you necessarily need a lot of it at, the, at forward? But I just think that the Leafs look at his puck skills and go, yeah, that that's that's our guy. <laughs> there was there was too many nights for Jaeger where I just didn't notice him. Like he just didn't do anything of note for me, and that doesn't necessarily mean he didn't have a good game. It just means that he's not the kind of player that's going to like, I don't think he's going to be a top top line forward. That being said, there are plays he makes in transition that nobody, very few players in this class can make. And that's what really intrigues me about him. Like you'll see him walk into the slot, roof a shot in transition. And you're like, Oh, okay. But then you won't see that happen again for 10 games. And you're, you're kind of left wondering like, is that something he can do regularly? Or is that something he kind of just has to really want to do. I don't know with Braden Yeager, and that's why he's going to fall a bit, I think, in this year's class, is just because there are some questions about his consistency. Do you think he's a winger or a center at the next he's level? He's a winger. That's I'd, what I think, Yeah, he's, I don't think he's a center. I think he's definitely better suited as a winger. I think he can focus a bit more on what he does better as a winger, as opposed to having to be so relied upon to do everything. Mm-hmm. I think that was a bit of his problem this year. Um, but, you know... I could see him going earlier just because, like I said, there are things he does that, you know, nobody else does. Like, you know, Samuel Honzek taking six picks earlier, he's not going to be able to be the transition threat that, you know, that Jaeger is. But he's going to offer you way more defensively, and I think there's a bit more of a uh, path to him being a useful or winning type of player than there is for Jaeger. So it just depends on what you want and what your team already has. That being said, if the Leafs can get a player like Braden Yeager at 28, yeah, that's that's solid. I made this pick for St. Louis, and I love this pick. I've seen him mocked to the Leafs, actually. I've seen him ranked in the second round. I've seen him go a little bit earlier, but he seems to be in this 28 to kind of 40 range. And I, th- I'm starting to think he could be a little bit... I think he's that player that everyone's like, yeah, he's just going to be like, okay, he's not going to be great. Because they don't really know a lot about him. And then if you read up about... Like if you go on... You read his Elite Prospect Scouting Report. 
he kind of reads as a player that should be going a little bit higher, and that's Oscar Fisker Molgard. I don't know if I already said that or not, but um, yeah, he's he's just really good. There's nothing in his game that's elite. Like so many players in this kind of tier from 20 to 40, there's not really any one elite trait, but he does everything really well. Similar to, I would kind of say similar to like a Elias Lindholm. He's just a really, really, really good player, but I think he's going to score a lot in the NHL. So for fantasy, if you take him anywhere after 20, I would, I would congratulate you for that pick. All right, Carolina, you're on the clock. This is definitely not a pick Carolina I think would make in real life. Not to say it's a bad pick, just to say it doesn't quite fit their MO. No, I, I realizing that after um, I made this pick, but... Uh, but to, to keep that in mind, though, they don't have a lot of players like this in their system. Yeah. Which is kind of why I can understand it. So Charlie Strammel, or Strammel, I'm not sure. Strammel? Um, who's 6'3", 212 pounds. Um, he was a, was a winger, is a center I think now, he's a, I think he's a winger. winger. Um. His production at Wisconsin <clears throat> was not nearly as impressive as Matthew Woods. I would say that's because he played at Wisconsin, but Matthew Wood played at Connecticut. And Connecticut struggles to score goals, I would argue, more than Wisconsin does. So... I think there's a reason why Matthew Wood should be going considerably higher than Charlie Strommel. The big thing that when I was I was reading through um, Scott Wheeler's um, sort of blurb on him in his top 100, um, and he said he may be a darn good, hard and heavy bottom six player at the next level in time, and I thought that's kind of what Carolina needs. Like they have their top, their top end is kind of set. Yeah. They've got. Uh, a really nice player in Seth Jarvis um, from the from the Leafs for taking <laughs> on um, Patrick Marlowe. Yeah. But I just think that like a bigger a bigger guy to play in their bottom six in the future. I think I know it's not necessarily what you want to be doing in the in the in the first round, but yeah, I think I, I don't. don't, I, don't... I just I just didn't see a lot I loved and. His size stuck. His size. His size stuck out for me. <laughs> I don't like drafting necessarily for for need, especially like a like a bottom of the lineup need, especially yeah. in the first round. Like in the first round, you kind of want to be looking for players that can present you value, uh, either in a trade or just you know in your lineup in a few years. And Charlie Strommel, I think it even at his peak doesn't necessarily offer a whole lot of value. Like if, if we're talking fantasy terms, like I think he could top out at like three and a half, four points per game in the NHL. And that's not necessarily someone you want to take with a first round pick. The next player, um, this is Montreal's second first round pick. Uh, the 31st overall pick from Florida they got for Ben Sherratt. I'm not mistaken. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was a hard pick. I was kind of debating between three players with this one. Actually, four players. I was debating. I, the first one I really thought about was Michael Hrabel. Uh They don't have a they don't have a goalie of the future, and you know, I would I would be willing to take Hrabel at this point. But there were some goal scorers left on the board that I I think have more obvious potential than a goalie, and goalies are just they're a little bit voodoo. So I would rather not take a goalie in the first round. 
this was a pick that I really like. Uh, this player was traded from the Peterborough Peets midseason to the Hamilton Bulldogs, and he went on a tear after he got traded, and this was Nick Lardis. Uh, Nick Lardis, he can skate, he can shoot. I would say his, those two traits for him are a little bit... Um, they're a little bit above league average, or at least what you would see from this draft class, the average in the top, in the, like in the first round of prospects. For that reason, I have him ranked around 16 in my rankings, which will be coming out soon. little plug there. Um, yeah, I think Nick Lardis has uh, like clear 50 goal potential in the OHL next year. So, you know, if you're in a league that scores prospects, I would consider him because he could offer some serious value. Um, and for the Habs, just a you know another player they can throw on their wing in a few years that could offer some goal scoring. With the final the pick. final pick of the first round, yeah. the Stanley Cup champion of Vegas Golden Knights are going to take a flyer on upside, and uh, that is. Bradley Nau, yeah, um, who is the BCHL's leading scorer, playing on a line with his older brother, um, and a and, prospect who will be taken later in this mock draft. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's, so he's committed. He's a, a main main Black Bears commit. Yep. Um, but he had 113 points in 54 games this year in the BCHL, um, which is. The most by an under-18 skater since Kyle Turris in 2007, outproducing guys like Kent Johnson, Alex Newhook, and Tyson Yost at that same age. Um, I, f- I just kind of felt like with the, the Knights, you take a, a swing on upside, and in two to three years, he's either on the team or traded. <laughs> the, the issue that a lot of teams will have with Bradley Nadeau is that it's not even an issue with the player. It's just an issue with where you take him and what the value is. And this is, I think, something that I'm starting to understand a little bit better is... Well, it's the, like the junior A factor is interest, always interesting. It's definitely interesting. It's also, he's not a big player. Um, he played with an NHL prospect for this year's draft who is kind of ranked in a... He's definitely lower ranked, but he's he's in the same, you know, kind of round or in the same tier, I would say. A similar tier, um, Idar Suniev. I don't know if I would love Bradley Nadeau in the first round, but if you get him in the first five picks of the second round, it's, it's kind of like in the NFL draft when, you know, if you take a linebacker or a running back in the end of the first round, you get endlessly destroyed by the media. But if you take them in the first five picks of the second round, you're endlessly praised. It's just, it's all perception. It's all optics. And yeah, I don't know if I would love Bradley to in the first round. I like the player. I'm just, if as a GM, if he didn't pan out, that's a pick you'll have to answer for. So you have to answer for every pick, but that one a little bit more. <laughs> the Vegas Golden Knights answer for no picks. Yeah, they they exactly. <laughs> and this is why. It's like, yeah, if you're Vegas, just have fun with it. Why not? Why not just say, hey, we don't we don't keep them anyway, so why not just take a guy that has upside and we can trade him? And that's the thing with Bradley Nadeau. Like, his value could tank in a year. His value could also be... His value could, could ascend so quickly. You really don't know. Oh, we've got a sighting here from the, from, from the dog. Muffler is coming in to say hi hey buddy how's it going oh such a cutie all righty 
We are now at the second round. I know, Muffler, you want to go for a walk, but we'll do that later. Hockey is more important. All right. The first pick of the second round goes to the Anaheim Ducks. And I believe I made that pick. Yeah, I yes, did. Yes, you did. So uh, I took... We're going to try to be a little bit faster here with the second round because we've... Well, we've only been going for about 45 minutes. But either way, the uh, first pick of the second round, I take Riley Hyatt of the Prince George Cougars. I think that, uh, you know, I've seen him anywhere from 15 to 30. Some people knock his compete. I don't really agree with that. I just think he's... He's not the most defensively engaged at times, but I wouldn't say it's a compete issue. I just say it's a... Eh, he's a junior player. Give him some time. But the skill is there. I think he could be a really valuable second round pick, late first round pick. So, who will you be taking for the Columbus Blue Jackets? For the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, this is a huge need. Huge need for the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> they don't have enough at this position. No, no, no. I love this. I love this. Who is it? Who is it? Caden Price. Yeah. No, they definitely do not have enough stay at home defensemen who can skate. This is, yeah, this is great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I love the player. I think he's going to be a solid NHL player. I'm just like, it's it's funny because Columbus has so many defensemen now. But yeah, I don't know. I won't argue with it. It's I thought get good players when you can. Yeah, exactly. I kind of thought like he was one of my favorite players left. Um, and if he, if you you decide you decide you've got too many defensive defensemen in your system. Trade one. Exactly. Yeah. No. It's it's if you can find. It's better like, to have. It's better to have the assets than going to try and find them. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like if you're, you know, if you're Nashville and you had a massive need in 2008 for a forward in the second round, and you took the forward instead of taking Roman Yosi, it's like even though you already had a lot of good defensemen, do you do you look back and say, damn, I wish I hadn't taken Roman Yosi because I needed a forward? No. Like you. No, you look back on it and say, hey, that guy won us a Norris trophy. Well, you also can look back at it and be like, well, we, we had, like, you had Shea Weber already. You had, uh, they had, they had a bunch of really good defensemen. Seth Jones. Well, was at that point, did they have Seth Jones? No, I'm mean, like, no, more or less when they already. were drafting Yosey and when he first came into the yeah. league. Yeah. They had, a, they are, I think they already had Ekholm. They already had, like, their, their defense was already sorted out when Yosey started to kind of come into the, the league, but... Getting Yosey meant that they could trade Shea Weber to get PK Subban, and then you know you can argue was was that a good trade? They did make it to a Cup final though, so always fun. Uh, so with the third pick in the second round, the Chicago Blackhawks take. This is an interesting player. Uh, people should read up on him because he's he's actually just a really interesting profile. Uh, Luca Cagnoni was not even drafted into the WHL. He was a walk-on as a six, uh, 16-year-old. Yeah, so that's insanely rare. Um, like, incredibly, incredibly rare for that to happen. For a player like that to then become a uh, potential first-round pick or a second-round pick, that's even more rare. So if you look at his development curve from that perspective, he's a player that could definitely outperform his draft, uh, his draft slot. That being said, he does have some size limitations, but I love his skating. I love his vision. He's so active in transition. He's got some real fantasy upside. So anyone who takes him in the first round will not be getting any, you know, any down votes from me. The next pick, this is a guy I love. Oh man, San Jose. Great, great move here. So the San Jose Sharks have an interesting goalie pool. 
But they don't really have an, any that I would say have real future number one goalie upside. Kind of like what Montreal's in um, situation in, yeah. And they just and they just decided to completely pass on Benjamin Gaudreau, which was interesting. But I'm not huge on Gaudreau. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that he's he feels like a backup to me. But um, so we're gonna go big and going with Michael Harabel, who is he is big, six foot six. Yeah, two hundred ten pounds. Yeah, the uh, San Jose Sharks. We hoping that the big goalie stop puck. Yeah, and he definitely did it at the U18s against USA. And I, I think that performance alone is what will make a lot of people say, I, I will take him uh, in the first round or in the early second round because if he can when look he a, good against elite talent, then he can probably look good against, you know. Yeah, he had a good, he had, a, good, he had a pretty darn good first uh, year in North America playing yeah. with <laughs> playing in the USHL. All right, so moving on to the Montreal Canadiens, they're going to get another winger. This one has uh, something that Lardis doesn't necessarily have, and that is a bit more grit. The goal-scoring potential is actually pretty similar, though. I would say it's a little bit less just because of the skating limitation, but that's Cohen Zemer of the Prince George Cougars. So that's two Cougars going in uh, five picks. That's, uh, that's, that's a good little run there for Prince George. Yeah, I love Zemer. He's, uh, you know... He's got one of the better wrist shots in the in the in the draft class. The passing is improved significantly. The skating, yeah, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a you know below average trait for him. But he's really physical and like guys who are really physical and that can shoot the puck, they tend to find roles in the bottom six just because you know they can score here and there and they can provide some grit. So I think Montreal would you know they would enjoy to have a player like that who isn't five foot eight. Because as much as I love Xavier <laughs> Simoneau, I would like to have someone who can, you know, ride the, the big rides. So, And we're back to the Arizona Coyotes, and they're back looking at defense. I love this pick. And Yeah, this is great. With uh, with this pick, they have 5'10", 172-pound defenseman, Mikhail Guleyev. Yeah, like I, I would have taken him for Chicago, but I think Chicago just wants players they can just get in their system easier, and that's why I think Kenyoni is pretty similar to Gulayev, but I would definitely put Gulayev ahead of Kenyoni in rankings. Um, yeah, so he had a thirty-five point uh, in thirty-five points in fifty-four games, uh, playing regularly about twenty minutes. Um. In the MHL, um, that's the second Russian, which league. is the second, yeah, second tier Russian league. Um, Those are very good numbers, very very good numbers. Yeah, and he just looks like a solid player, really. Like, and I think that again, Arizona, you need to add more solid players, and definitely need to add more D. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt they do. Um, yeah, so we're, we're seeing a bit of a, a run here on offensive defensemen. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres are going to take arguably the best offensive defenseman in this year's draft. Well, 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 it's tough. Uh, Lucas Dragachevic of the Tri-City Americans, uh, he put up significant numbers in the WHL, partially because his team did not have other good offensive players. Partially because that's his style. Like he loves, he he loves to shoot the puck, and he gets it to the net. 
that's that's one of the things I noticed about him. Like he puts the puck on the net a lot. It reminds me a bit of Olin Zellweger in that regard, where he's just like always looking to shoot. The only thing I don't like is he's just terrible defensively. <laughs> like terrible. If you if you watch the U18s, he oh man, Canada like Canada's team at the U18s was not as bad as they looked against Sweden. The reason they suffered was because you had Lucas Dragachevic and Etienne Morin on the same blue line. That does not bode well if you are trying to keep the puck out of the net. And that is why Etienne Morin... Did he even get drafted in our draft? No, he didn't. Nope. Yeah, that that probably will actually stand for the NHL draft as well. He's got some real issues. There's potential with him, but damn, like he's... Oof. Him and Dragachevic both have some issues. The reason that I've gone and done a bit of a 360 with Dragachevic is because I've had to do some reading on him. Uh, one of the things I like, and this is just this is this isn't an actual reason he could be a good NHL player. It's just something I've thought about. He grew up playing with Bedard, Cristal, Celebrini. Like they played on a youth team together. They were dominant together. You don't want to be the only one who f- who flames out from that group. There's going to be not necessarily pressure, but he's going to be motivated to not be the only one that doesn't succeed. The other thing I realized when reading a story about him was that he's only been playing defense for a few years. He was a forward. He's just been transitioning to defense. Some of the skating issues defensively stem from that transition. If you give him a few years, I think there's potential that he could end up really like he could insanely outperform his draft status. He could not make the NHL. There's there's kind of two wildly varying outcomes. And um, I guess the way I would look at it is, you know, he put up points and all of his offensive skills translate. It's just, can he fix the, the important, you know, can he play defense? Can he not allow his team, you know, just to give up 10 penalty kill goals in, or yeah, like 10 shorthanded goals in one season. Like that's... <laughs> That's an issue. And uh, when you watch Tri-City, it's like, wow, this team gives up a lot of breakaways when they're on the power play. Like, why is that? And then you see Dragachevic just constantly getting beat wide. And it's like, oh, okay, that's why. (laughs) Um, But he also is responsible for like 45% of his team's goals. So, yeah, who knows? I, I just, I really like the player. I think he's, he's a lot of fun. I just, yeah, it's, I don't know. What do you think? Like, would you would you be willing to take a flyer on him as a as an NHL team, or would you rather would you rather be safe and just take a guy like Matthew Mania, or I don't even know. After that, we don't have a lot of defense. Like Taylor Molendik, yeah, Hunter Brestevich. Like these guys, Hunt, Oliver Bonk, they all can skate at much, much, much. Like their their skating is so much better than what you're going to see out of Lucas Dragachevic. But they also don't have the the offensive game. Yeah. Well. Uh- I think it makes it makes sense for the Sabres to take a swing on an offensive defenseman since they already have like Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power. Yeah, um, yeah, no, they're, they're so, fine. Yeah, so they're they're fine at the offensive defenseman, like taking a swing on a guy who potentially has decent upside if he can in a couple of years. Um, that I I I don't see a problem with that at all. Yeah, no, it's. There's potential there. There's just a lot of risk. And more risk than you've probably seen in most prospects we've taken so far. Yeah. He's 
out of yeah so far i would say he probably is most, the riskiest yeah probably mm-hmm. most most like maybe you could argue you'd argue sale is nah. but sale at least has it, nhl skating yeah and, he, and he's proven he can produce doesn't not 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 at a, in a league that you want to you know project to, to nhl production but he's yeah. he's produced at least in a in a league so that's that's good um washington capitals this is another pick that's kind of limited upside but like the floor is just it's safe it's super safe and i love it if you're getting a super safe pick in a second rounder I, that's good who do they take? Ethan Gauthier of the Sherbrooke Phoenix. Yeah, he's he's going to be a good third-line winger. Um, he's really, 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 really responsible defensively. He's kind of reminds me a bit of Easton Cowan, but just slightly better at everything. Had a nice little uh, Ivan Halenka tournament. Yeah, he really did have a nice tournament, actually. Um, all right, we're going to move on now to Detroit because they have three picks in a row. And uh, I I love these three picks for Detroit. We swung for the fences here. So the first one, uh, William Whitelaw, or Will Whitelaw. Depends if you, William, Will, either way. Um, he played for uh, the Youngstown Phantoms in the USHL. A few players from Youngstown I really enjoyed watching, but he was by far the best. Uh, Whitelaw has speed for days. He also has a really good shot. Those two traits alone give him chance to be a contributing NHL player. I, I called him a cherry picker before because I mean, he just is a cherry picker. Um, he gets a lot of breakaways. I, I think every single game I tracked of his, he had four or five breakaways and it's just because he just, he's very, very smart in anticipating um, like when transition offense can come to him. There's some issues with how he plays that way, but uh, if he can get coached out of some of his traits or some of his habits that are problems now, I think he could be a very, very, very strong NHL player in the future. All right, for the second pick, who are they taking? Uh, To the second pick, um, went with Otto Stenberg, who for some, some of this year was sort of seen as the maybe two, maybe three sweetest prospect. Um, and he's, uh, sort of best, best known for his, his crafty puck handling. Um, does a good job dealing with, uh, dealing with pressure, um, and sort of, sort of projects to be like, some people think he's a late first round talent. Um, be interesting to see. (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing about I would say picks twenty five to forty is that I think all of those players can be taken in the first round and you won't really bat an eye because they all have certain traits that at least project to being you know top six forwards or you know top four pair defensemen or either way it's uh it's a good draft for depth maybe not uh, for the for the for the high end depth after you know twenty twenty five but it's there's there's all players that have some potential to to really surprise you. Wheeler said about him, I don't think anyone who's familiar with his game would be surprised if he became a contributing top nine forward. There you go. This next one, this guy has potential, in my opinion, to be a contributing top line forward. Or, you know, yeah, he's he's kind of in that Lucas Dragachevic mold where he could he could be a really good NHL player. He could never make it to the NHL. Casper Hultonen, uh, he was the 
like far and away the most impressive Finnish player at the UA teams. Um, he dominated with with the puck on his stick. He's got an absolute cannon of a shot. It just like it just rips off of his stick. He's also a big, big, big body. You know, um, big bodies that can rip the puck and that are hard to knock off the puck. They tend to find NHL jobs. And I, I think Hasper Haltonen, his skating really isn't great. That's why I don't I don't think you can put him on a top line unless that just improves drastically. But you can put him on a third line and he can score you 20 goals and be a fantastic player in the playoffs who, you know, you don't want to see him on the ice when you're putting your third or fourth line out because he can score and he can score from anywhere. And yeah, like I'm, you could look back in a few years and be like, yeah, he's a 40 goal scorer because his skating improved. He's got that potential. There's nobody else so far in the second round other than maybe Cohen Zemer who could hit that. Cohen Zemer does have the shot, but he doesn't have the skating similar to Halton. I would say Zemer's skating is better, but Haltonen will be a good fantasy player, though. If he hits, he's going to be a good fantasy player because he hits anything that moves. Like, he is a freaking hammer, and he just wants to hit the nail. And uh, he's always looking for the nail. And, you know, sometimes he misses the nail and hits a baby. Another time, <laughs> another time he hits the nail, and it's really friggin', it's, like, really satisfying. And, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, with the the next pick that the Chicago Blackhawks have from Ottawa, I believe because of the Debrinket trade, but it yeah. also could be the Doc trade. I don't. Know. Oh no, no, Doc. That would make sense. Um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> that wouldn't make any sense, would it? Um, <laughs> anywho, in a convoluted um, way, it could. The yeah. Chicago Blackhawks uh, select Noah Dewar Nelson, who lit the hell up of the uh, Sweden's top junior league, um, and sort of was, according to according to Wheeler, like hand head. <laughs> way ahead of the rest of the league in terms of looking at his his skill, um, making finesse plays that nobody else can. Um, but he like he is he is coming from a junior league, so um, obviously could still will still take some time. Um, but Wheeler thinks, and I tend to agree with Scott Wheeler on a lot of things. <laughs> um, that with the right development and patience, there could be a pretty productive player. And the Chicago Blackhawks are in the middle of a rebuild. They can afford to be patient. Yeah. So if you look at Nielsen, um, he's he's above like he's he's pretty good at everything. He's not a physical player. His skating is ranked pretty low. Where you see the skating, it it, it affects him mostly in transition. Apparently, if you're looking just at his advanced stats, um, like controlled exits transition success it's not he's not a great player in transition but if you look at his offensive zone stats if you look at his board play yeah and I mean if you're taking a player in the 50s who is really good in the offensive zone and just needs work in transition that sounds a lot like Samuel Hanzek and yeah he's not as big as Hanzek but yeah you're getting him in the second round and I'm seeing here shades of Casey Middlestat and if you can get shades of Casey Middlestat in the second round (laughs) good for you so Great pick for Chicago. They've in this draft we've gotten Chicago, Bedard, Barlow, Canyoni, and and Dower Nielsen. 
you really start to you start to think about like the draft differently after you actually have the assets in your control and it's like oh mm-hmm. like, this is what all these picks now look like wow it's it's they're tangible assets now it's it's really cool as opposed to just seeing them as like oh i have 36 overall it could be anything <laughs> yeah the arizona coyotes sitting looking at their second round next year yeah <laughs> with like what five picks <laughs> yeah that's how you build a team though yeah you just got to hit on two of them all right, next up we have Danny Nelson from the U.S. National Development Program going to the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, this is just a big forward. Big guy, loves to be physical. He's He's got some, you know, he, he definitely got overshadowed by the uh, million players that were ahead of him on the U.S. National Development Program team. But um, yeah, he's, he's still good enough to be going in the mid-second round, which tells you just about how good that team is every year. And... I don't think there's there's not high end upside out of Danny Nelson, which you know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong about every single thing I've said today. <laughs> we we both could be. That's just the the nature of drafting and projecting. But if you look at Danny Nelson, he's kind of a he's a third or fourth line winger down the road. I, he could play center. He's got the size to play center, but I think he's better suited to the wing. But either way, it's a good player. If you're getting him in the mid second round, it's a good good chance to take on a on the depth piece so all right you uh once again shot for the fences with nashville this is the first i don't want to say reach but it's the first like kind of down the board player i've seen so yeah so this is uh jesse kiskinen kiskinen yeah um who's uh who was finland's cap finland's captain at the uh u18 five nations tournament um, where he was in on eight of twelve goals, um, and he's he's just got he's got a ton of like dangerous skill, um, dangerous on the flank and the power play. Um, his skating probably could use some work, um, but uh, he's got a got a pro shot and good hands. Like this is this is Nashville swinging for the fences on a high upside skill player yeah and if if i'm just looking at the players that were taken after him there wasn't really anyone here who i would say had more potential i would just say there's players that maybe i like more but really wasn't anyone that has a lot more potential personally so it's that's a good pick uh the second nashville pick i've i've talked about this guy in my previous podcast i really like him matthew mania um he's he's very aggressive might need to be coached out of him slightly because he can be too aggressive, but no, he's, he's going to be a really good player. Um, you know, down the line, if he keeps developing his offensive skills, he's such a good skater. He's got some size. He loves, like he just loves to join the rush uh, more than he, more than he should. But you know, if you're looking for a, a defenseman that's big and that can skate and that you can develop, he's probably the best one left on the board. So all right, Calgary, up on the clock. With this pick, the Calgary Flames uh, went for a unspectacular but solid two-way defenseman, uh, and that would be Theo Lindstein, who's six feet, one hundred eighty pounds, uh, an alternate captain at uh, Sweden's U eighteen World Team. Uh, 
Um, should should make the Sweden's World Junior Team next year, Wheeler thinks. Um, and it's just sort of a high floor, good, maybe third pair, second pair defenseman. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't love him at the U18s, but he's, you know, he's he's solid. There's He's good defensively. I don't think there's much else to his game, but... You're getting to this point in the draft where you're you're just hoping for NHL players at this point. Yeah. So, um, there's a few defensemen I, I will say I like a bit more than Lindstein, but yeah, that's why it's not just me drafting. I so. read through it and went, ah, that looks safe. <laughs> yeah, and that's 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 Calgary's <laughs> mo. So uh, next up on the board, we got uh, Felix Nilsson going to the New York Islanders. Not a whole lot to say about Nielsen. I haven't got to see him much, but I know a lot of people are pretty high on him. And, uh, yeah, his advanced stats are, like, his advanced stats make him out to be one of the best players in the draft. So if you don't know what to do in a fantasy draft and you just want to take someone that the data says is going to be a good player, take Felix Nielsen. Because, um, yeah, he's he's a analytics darling, put it that way. There's nothing he does badly according to analytics. And, you know, once you're in the 40s and 50s, if you don't really have an opinion of your own, just follow the data, follow the experts, and hope for the best. So, Felix Nilsson, New York Islanders. Who do we got going next? With the next pick, um, that would be the Seattle Kraken. And they're going to take a bit of a swing. On Alexander Rykov, um, player I like. Who he's young. He doesn't turn eighteen until after the draft. Um, was split split between um, the VH VHL KHL. Um, good shooter, especially at a catch and release. Impressive touch. He's got all kinds of potential <laughs> to come over. His early to mid twenties and make a real impact. <laughs> yeah. So um, the interesting thing about Rykov is that all of his tools project to be right now kind of average to slightly above average. Uh, analytics hate him. They they do not like his game, but um, very 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 divided scouts all over on him. You've got like some say he could be you know like the biggest wild card in the draft. So once again, if you're like taking a wild card at 55, I'm yeah, I'd be okay with that. It's NHL prospects are such crap shoots, especially after, you know, a certain point it's, I don't know. Yeah. Especially when you're taking a 17 year old kid. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, that's something that I really thought about when I was watching Prince George this year was, um, was it Prince George? Yeah, so it would have been uh, Riley Hyatt. Yeah, so it was Riley yep. Hyatt, Cohen Zemer. Yep. Um, then you had Ethan Sampson and Hudson Thornton, who should be drafted this year. Um, there was a player on that line, though, who played with them, Chase Wheatcroft. And he's kind of made me think about how I look at prospects because he was always the best player on the ice. And he's 21 years old. He just got signed to an ELC by Dallas. But if you watch Chase Weescroft, like Weecroft, he's got in, insane hands, like just filthy hands. Not an amazing skater, but the way he can puck handle 
is just incredible. Um, it reminds me of Zach Benson, the way he handles the puck. But I would say a bit craftier at this point. But then you have to think, he's three to four years older than these guys. Where are these guys going to be in three to four years? Are they going to have similar skills to Chase, Chase Weecroft? I would assume so. So that's something you really have to think about is like, look at a player who's a few years older on the same team and then say, imagine where this guy who's three years younger is going to be. Like, imagine how far much further ahead he's going to be than the older guy in a few years. And that's that's something I've had to really think about is like, oh, wow, like this player doesn't look that good. But then I realize he's playing with all overagers. So there's a three to four year age gap. And that's that's huge, especially for hockey players in, at that part of their development. So, um, yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of players that I love, oh, my goodness. Chicago Blackhawks, Easton Cowan. Um, not going to say much because I, I talk about Easton Cowan every single episode, but he's amazing. Uh, he's going to be he's going to be Wayne Gretzky. Uh, I will, yep, <laughs> calling it now. He will be the best player in the NHL. No, <laughs> but I love Easton Cowan. He was the heart and soul. Him and Denver Barkey were like just the heart and soul of that London team that made it to the finals. I don't think they had any business making it to the finals considering Sarnia had arguably way more talent, but... London just between their coaching between like Cowan, Barkey, Bonk, uh, Sam Dickinson, who will be a top 20 pick next year. Uh, Isaiah George, who I love. He's a really good prospect for the Islanders. There's just, there's some solid pieces there from that London team. And you're about to see a bunch of them go. So after Easton Cowan, who does Seattle take? The Seattle Kraken looking for a goalie of the future. Um, Go pretty close to home. And take Trey Augustine, who is, I, I think, easily the, the next best goalie on the on the, on the board. Oh yeah, so. I would agree. He's uh, he's he doesn't have the prototypical size that teams want, but eh, he's everything else about him is really good. So and it's a goalie. You just take a chance. Yep. Minnesota, Tanner Molendic. You know he's he's a really good straight line skater. After that, I don't really know what else he brings, but he can skate. He can skate. Yeah, he can skate. And, you know, take a shot on guys that can skate because that's your job to develop the rest of their game. So, L.A., what do, uh, who do they take? Hunter Brustevich. Brustevich. Yeah, I like him. He's um, he, he was really good for the, the Rangers this year. Looked really good in the playoffs against Windsor. Just a steady player. I think I think he'll surprise people and end up being an NHL player. So, I, I would be okay taking him a little bit earlier. Um, Chicago, adding another London Knight, Oliver Bonk. Love it. Like Oliver Bonk is um he's got size. He's surprisingly willing to contribute in transition. Um quite aggressive in transition. If you're a fan of the Habs or the Senators, you might remember his father, mm. Raddick. Yes, I do. Played over a thousand games between Montreal and Ottawa yeah. and I think Nashville. Good blast from the past there. Um we have after that the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know much about this guy, so you're up, Stu. All right. Give me one second to pull up his profile. These Finnish prospects this year really are uh, flying under the radar, put it that way. There aren't... I don't think there's really anyone that's going to be in the top 32 that's Finnish. Maybe Casper Halton, but I doubt it. So he was ranked 53rd by Wheeler. Okay. Um, he has the most pro experience uh, of any Finnish draft eligible. Um, he had 12 goals, 25 points in Liga. Uh, was sixth on his team in the regular season and tied for third in playoffs. Um, 
He's goes to the net, involved, uh, decent skill across the board. Should have a Wheeler thinks he's a, a complimentary winger, doesn't see him as a play driver, uh, an, an impressive checker, or really a crazy skill guy. Yeah. Just sort of a nice bottom six player. <laughs> well, it's, it's a late pick for Edmonton, so... Uh, Seattle they with can, a pick here. They can, use, they can use useful bottom six players on ELCs. Oh, yeah. No, cheap <laughs> contracts is what Edmonton needs. Uh, so Toronto uh, traded this pick to Seattle upcoming. So that's uh, we have them taking Uri Pekarczyk. It's a player I really like. Looked great at the U18s. Looked fantastic playing with Dalibor Dvorsky. He's a solid skater. Good with the puck on his stick. Needs some work defensively. I have had to go back and watch a bit of his game. I thought his defensive game was a bit better than scouts give him credit for, but eh, we're all all a little bit different on each player. So I I like Bikarczyk a bit more than most, but I think he's got potential to be a decent bottom six player. On to the Devils. And the Devils go with Alex Siernik. Yeah, good player. Uh, Anaheim Ducks, David Edstrom. I'm surprised he fell this far. I think we just forgot about him. Uh, David Edstrom should be going a bit higher. He looked really good at the U18s. Other than that, yeah, um, Ducks up again. Carson Rekpa. Yeah, he's a big body. He's not going to be a top six player. I would, um, what did I say? I said I would eat my kettle if Nate Danielson wasn't a good, at least a good third line center. I will also eat my kettle if Carson Rekhoff becomes anything other than a bottom six player. (laughs) Because I don't see that for Carson Rekhoff. Not to say he's not a good hockey player. He's just not a great hockey player. He's, yeah. he's, he's good. Um, all right. My stomach is rumbling, so we gotta we got to keep moving here. <laughs> uh, Dallas Stars take themselves the... I was about to say the brother. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's yeah. not right. <laughs> no, they take, they take a player who I kind of said is similar to uh, Jason Robertson in the sense that he's got a really good shot. He's kind of a big body. Not a good skater, though. But uh, I, he's not going to be Jason Robertson. This is Idar Suniev. Uh, of the Penticton V's played with Bradley Nadeau and uh, Josh Nadeau had some really good stats. Uh, he's going to have to improve his skating to get to the NHL, but otherwise he's got some skills that translate. All right. Carolina. Carolina takes from the Ottawa 67s, uh, Luca Pinelli. Um, he was the 67s top scorer uh, during the playoffs. Uh, talented puck handler, shooter, passer, um, high motor yeah high motor for sure yeah um and just sort of does a good job elevating line mates he plays with yeah his his brother is an incredibly like a very very smart player so it's not a surprise to know that his brother is also a smart player uh, smart players tend to elevate their teammates uh, florida panthers i made this pick because not just because it's a okay it's not a reach and it's not it, it is a reach <laughs> it's it's a reach some people have him ranked in the 80s and the 90s it's fine uh, this is Damian Clara. He is going to be the first Italian prospect ever drafted. Uh, yeah, he's six foot six, and he moves very well in the crease. So, big nice. goalies that can move, they deserve to be picked. Yeah, big goalies stop pucks. <laughs> they tend to. Uh, I almost as long as they have the athleticism to go with the size, and he has that. So, uh, with our last, I can tell you about Christer's good luscus. Uh... Who? He was a Latvian goalie. He's six foot four, six foot five, but he was 
had absolutely no athleticism. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, of, of all the players, um, like, I, I'm, I'm really hoping, like, of all the positions, I'm really hoping the Japanese eventually figure out the sumo wrestler goalie because <laughs> there's so much potential there once they do it. Um, <laughs> our last pick of this two-round mock draft uh, I, I, I kind of forced you to make this pick, Stu, because we forgot about him. And also, he's... <laughs> well, he's... You, mentioned, you mentioned his name. I went and read his profile again. And went, yeah, why haven't we picked him before? <laughs> oh, and it's just like he's, he's such a second-round kind of player in the fact that he's insanely physical. He's also an analytics darling. And uh, something I noticed, he had, I think, 23 primary assists to five secondary assists, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Um, yeah, no, like considerable... Uh, considerable amount of production that was not not just he wasn't a part of but he was focal part of uh so that's callan lind of the red deer rebels he played not he was the, i think he had the sixth most ice time on his team so like the fact he only scored 44 points isn't necessarily something that worries me if you're getting him at the end of the second round which you won't be getting him at the end of the second round you will be getting him earlier than that <laughs> but uh he will be an nhl player he will be a good nhl player he might not be a great NHL player, but he will be an NHL player. He's he's just physical. He's kind of like Cohen Zemer, if he's a but a slightly better skater, maybe a better passer than Zemer. Definitely not a better shooter, but uh, similarly physical. Just wants to hit anything that moves. Uh, if if Minnesota can get him with pick sixty four, that's that's a great move. So, uh, who are some players that we did not end up getting to in this uh, in this mock draft? I know for a fact the first one I can think of would be uh, Denver Barkey. I know we didn't draft him. I definitely like Dan, uh, Denver Barkey. Uh, who else would do we not get to? Quentin Burns. Quentin Burns is interesting. I um, no, I don't even have him in my top hundred. I don't think. Because hmm, you have to, you, ha- you have to actually be able yeah. to stay on the ice <laughs> to be yeah. an NHL prospect, and he can't stay Fair healthy. Enough. He's got some skating skills that I like. He can really activate himself in the transition, but um, just like never can stay healthy so that's a that's a big issue for me yeah um he's also just getting terrible coaching in kingston right now i don't want to i'd never want to knock coaching because i knocked the peterborough coach and then he led his team to the memorial cup which i i'm just gonna be straight i did not see that coming like i did not see london making it to the final i did not see peterborough making it to the final both those things shocked me clearly playoff hockey is a different animal and having owen beck really helps Um, (laughs) Uh, yeah, so some other players we did not get to. Uh, Coulson Petre of Flint. I've seen him ranked pretty high. Uh, Aaron Minessian, Aaron Minedian of the U.S. National Development Team. I, I like his game. He's super steady. Not a sexy pick, but I can see him being a bottom-pairing defender down the road. Uh, Etienne Moran, we mentioned. He's got a lot of things to fix, but the skating and the vision are both... Um, good enough to get him there. Andrew Gibson, another player I kind of like. He's, I would put him above Cam Allen. Maxim Sturbach. Oh, there's an interesting one. Sturbach played insane minutes for the Slovakian team at the, uh, at the World uh, U18 tournament. And he didn't look amazing because he's not an amazing skater. So he got, he kind of got beat a lot by some of the top American prospects. But I'm, I would be shocked if he doesn't end up being a bottom pairing defense and who eventually gets to, you know, three to 4 million a year and turns into Ben Sherratt. Hmm. Like Interesting. Maxim Sturbach is just super safe. He's never going to score more than 20 points, 30 points in a year, but he's really safe. 
Uh, Tuomas Euronen, another Finnish prospect I kind of like. Cataford, uh, Matthew Cataford from Halifax. I thought about him too. (laughs) Yeah, I forget where. (laughs) Uh, If there's a few others I want to mention, Alexander Helnimo, uh, another huge goalie out of Sweden. If you have the name Helnimo, you automatically (laughs) deserve some, some, some mention. Carson Bjornesson uh, yeah, is I don't... the next sort of goalie, I think. Bjornesson's wildly overrated, in my opinion, but yeah, I think one one oh nine, one ten would be right for him. Yeah, uh, if you can get him in, I don't know, the late or like mid third round. Yeah, um, the highest rated players that flyer. aren't that are older than their draft year. Uh, let me see here. Uh, there is a Finnish goalie, uh, Juho Juha Yetkola. Where is he? Yuha Yakola. Yeah, he's uh, he's three years past his draft eligible year, but uh, he's he's looks solid. Yegor Sidorov, uh, he's another good player that I would look at. Luke Middlestat. There's a, there's a few good uh, draft plus players this year. So uh, yeah, I would like to thank uh, Stuart Miller Davis for coming on the podcast today. This was a beast of an episode to record. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and. We're gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna be releasing my draft rankings uh, in the next week or so, and uh, we should uh, be having a few more podcast episodes coming out prior to the draft. So uh, yeah, I'll have that to look forward to. Once again, thanks for coming on, Stuart, and uh, have a great day, guys.